Welcome to Swishlist Podcast, where we talk all things basketball. Let's get into it. I think we were right about a lot of the playoff teams. We called Lakers, Warriors, Nuggets, Suns. I was wrong. I took the Cavs. You took the Knicks. I, got the I was Knicks wrong right. there. You said the Heat were dangerous. I said they didn't have a chance. So I was wrong on that as well. You didn't take them to win, but you said they nah. were dangerous. So I'll give you that. Well, I didn't expect Giannis to get hurt. No, no. I, the injuries the injuries you can't predict. Who's that leave? Celtics Hawks. Celtics Hawks. That was an easy one. Yeah. Sixers. Brooklyn, that was an easy one as well. Did we both call a sweep for that one? I called that the Hawks were going to win a game. Yeah, and I said that they were going to sweep. You said they would sweep. I had Philly sweeping. And I said that the Nets would steal a game if Mikel Bridges could score like 50. So here we go. Second round predictions. Lakers, Golden State. I'm going to have to go Lakers on this one. The way the Lakers have been performing in the playoffs really showed that they are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And they can score the ball with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Austin Reeves. So I'm going to take the Lakers in seven in this one. Lakers in seven. I don't think LeBron James can win a series if it goes to seven games. For LeBron to win, it needs to be earlier rather than later. I feel really bad for LeBron having to play against Steph Curry again because if he loses this series, there's two guys that had LeBron's number. And they were Tim Duncan and Steph Curry. In this series, against my better judgment, I'm also going to take the Lakers. But I'm taking the Lakers in six. They cannot play a game seven in Golden State and win this series. So you're saying if it were to go to seven, Warriors it, are winning. If it goes to seven, the Warriors are winning it. The Lakers are not okay. winning a game seven in Golden State. There's no way. So they got to win it in six in LA. You don't got trust in AD like that. Miami versus New York. This series is already 1-0. And it's just Julius Randle's been out. Julius Randle's very explosive, very physical. I don't know if he's going to come back the same. What about the Jimmy Butler ankle tweak, though? You saw the play. But Jimmy's different. Jimmy's built different. Oh, Jimmy's built different. He's he's You're going to tell me Jimmy's not built different. He's built for this. (laughs) He is. Okay. You can't tell me that Jimmy's not. I'm going to go Heat in six. Because of their playoff experience compared to the Knicks. Miami, New York. This one's a tough one because picking Miami is so scary at that eight spot. I'm also taking Miami in six games. We have to remember that the Miami Heat, they were not an actual eight seed based on their record. They just had a bad playing game against the Hawks. I'm taking Miami to win this series as well. Playoff experience is a factor. Pat Riley does not want to lose to the Knicks. There are very few franchises that Pat Riley has a vendetta against. The Knicks are one of them. The Knicks, you had a great season. You won a first round series, and that's as far as you're going this year. Miami's going to send you home. Denver versus Phoenix. This Uh-oh. might be the toughest series to pick in the first round. We're one game in already, and the Nuggets show that playing in the Mile High City is hard, especially when Jamal Murray plays the way he does. But... So tough because the Suns are just not deep. This is what the conversation is. The Suns only have like six or seven guys compared to the Nuggets. They're super deep bench team. I got to go Suns. But just because they lost that game, I was going to go Suns in six, but I'm going to go Suns in seven in this series. I can't take Suns in against, seven. Yeah, I can't bet against Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. If one of them has a bad game, the other one's bound to get 40 points. These guys are going to take it in seven. We live in an era where people try and take way too much out of game ones. It's just one game. This is what Denver was supposed 
supposed to do, right? They were supposed to take care of business on their home court. So I'm not surprised by a game one loss. People were overreacting about Sacramento beating Golden State in game one and game two. I'm not going to do that. This is a home court battle for the first six games and it comes down to game seven. I can't bet against Kevin Durant. Jokic hasn't given me a reason to trust him in the playoffs because his only major run was in the bubble. And if everybody wants to discredit the bubble, then you got to discredit everybody's runs in the bubble too. Kevin Durant also is top three in scoring in a game seven. When it gets to that point, KD goes to another level. They win the series. Philly versus Boston. Because of Joel Embiid's injuries, I'm going to go Celtics in six on this one. James Harden, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. They're good enough players to win a few games versus this team. Steal a few at this point. But if Joel Embiid is not at 100% when he comes back, I just see the Celtics taking this in six games. The 76ers haven't beat the Celtics in a playoff series since 1982. Joel Embiid has lost three straight times to Jason Tatum. It's going to be really hard to take Philly. Okay, so there's our second round predictions. This is per request in our comment section. We had someone that wanted to know, Roman, what is our all-time Warriors starting five? You want me to give you a list of names? Go ahead, go ahead. Wilt, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Rick Barry, Chris Mullen, Nate Thurman, Clay Thompson, Baron Davis, Tim Hardaway, Draymond Green, Sleepy Floyd, Jason Richardson, and Paul Arizin. Let's get a starting five. Steph, obviously at the point, I got to go Clay at the two. It's the Splash Brothers. Small forward is where it gets kind of tough for me because Rick Barry, one of the all-time greats. He also got Chris Mullen put in there too. But Kevin Durant is a two-time champion with this team. I'm going to put Kevin Durant at the small forward. And then power forward, I'm going to put one of the all-time great defenders and a four-time champion in Draymond Green at the four. At the five, I'm putting Will. No disrespect to Nate Thurman. I got to put Will here. I think you're wrong, and I'm going to give you the five. That's even better than what you're putting on the floor. I'm starting Steph Curry. I'm playing Klay Thompson at the two. I'm playing Rick Barry at the three. And I'm playing Kevin Durant at the four. And I'm playing Wilt at the five. You can't tell me that you think your lineup is going to beat mine. Because you have a hole on offense and his name's Draymond Green. No, 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 no. Prime Draymond can shoot the ball. You're taking younger Draymond? (laughs) I don't care what Draymond you take. You take Michigan State Draymond. You can take football player Draymond if you want. Your five's not beating my five. Your five's not beating my five. All-time great defender. Your five's not beating my five. All-time great defender. And then on the offensive end, he creates for other players. He's the perfect teammate for Stephen Curry, especially at that four spot. All right, all right. Who's your sixth man then? Rick Barry. You're taking Rick Barry off the bench. I'm not even taking Draymond off the bench. I want to eat Dalla. Oh, (laughs) my finals MVP. Holding LeBron to 35 points a game. Oh, holding LeBron to 35. I still think my five beats your five, though. No. Easily. Easy. No, I got Rick Barry. You don't. You took Draymond. Okay. You have a liability. A liability where Draymond can't score the ball. Yes, he can. No, we're gonna call him moving screens, so he can't even help you on offense. This we're not 20, letting him do his 2014, own 2015 Draymond Green. He will go out there. He'll knock down four three pointers for me. Uh, maybe in the series. <laughs> You're wrong. This is not passive Draymond. You're wrong. Tell me who's right. Tell me who's right. You taking him? You taking me? You taking him? Don't take him. Our guy, Zach, asked us to break down a scoring champion super team versus a defensive player of the year super team. So let's get into it. The easiest way to do this is to break down each individual matchup, see who's the winner, and then we'll go for team synergy. Steph versus Gary Payton. That's an easy one. Steph is winning this matchup. Steph's not even a a true point guard, so Steph's just going to be running around, coming off screens and all that type of stuff. Look, Gary Payton talked about tiring out Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan laughed him 
off. Steph Curry's going to be laughing this guy off when he's hitting threes from 30 feet. This is not even close. People have been trying to shut down Curry for years, and he's still giving people buckets at 35, dropping 50. Jordan versus Kobe. This one's obvious here. Let's not do this. Michael Jordan is, is Kobe, but everything's better for Michael Jordan. Minus three-point shooting. Okay, minus three-point shooting. Better defense yeah. for three-point shooting. But there wasn't three-point shooting in MJ's era the way there was in Kobe's era. MJ's winning this matchup. Let's just be real. MJ's winning this matchup. Kawhi, Kevin Durant. We watched Kawhi pick KD's pocket in game one, and then he tore his knee and never came back. What do you do with this? Kevin Durant is probably the most offensively gifted player ever. Kawhi is a top defender of all time. So I'm going to take Kevin Durant. His offensive level outweighs Kawhi's defensive level. Durant is the equivalent of a my player in real life where you go into the game and you make a seven-footer, amazing at three-point shooting, can do everything on the court, can score from anywhere. That's Kevin Durant. Now, Kawhi is a dog. This, of all of the matchups, might be the closest one to a wash because Kawhi's defense is legit. But we're talking about Kevin Durant. Let's not get it twisted here. KD's winning the matchup. Carl Malone versus Kevin Garnett. This is not a debate. We're not taking Carl Malone here. I won't even let you take Carl Malone here. We will never on this pod choose Carl Malone ever okay i don't care what it is it's not carl Malone. okay you can't just go straight into politics Moses. we got to actually consider the this is carl malone the basketball player not carl malone the person well i'm taking kevin garnett one of the things that made carl such a great scorer was having stockton the fact that steph curry isn't a true point guard means that there's not going to be someone to effectively feed carl malone the ball the way that he might need based on his game so i really don't think this matchup faces Favors Malone based on the five. I'm legitimately taking Kevin Garnett between the two. And I do agree with you here. Carmelo, one of the greatest scorers of all time, but it's KG. He can guard one through five. This is the tough one. This is players in their prime. This is Shaq versus the Dream. Now, a lot of people want to say that the Dream ate Shaq's lunch, beat him in the finals. Here's the only thing that I'm going to say. I don't think that Shaq reached his prime until he played for the Lakers. We're talking about 2000 Shaq, not early 90s Shaq versus Hakeem at championship level. What do you do? It's such a toss up here at this point. It's really just preference more than anything else. Are you a footwork guy? Are you a Dream Shake guy? For me, there's no better center than Prime Shaq. All my respect to Hakeem Olajuwon, but there's nothing better than Prime Shaq. That 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003 Shaq. There's nothing, there's no better center than that. If we're looking at the matchup between the two, the scorers overwhelmingly have so much better three-point shooting that it really sets the dream up for failure. Because in a pick and roll with Steph Curry, it's going to be very difficult to match up. When you've got Kevin Durant and his three-point shooting, Kobe, especially if he gets hot, he can drain it from anywhere on the floor. When you give the ball to Shaq, he's going to have shooters to be able to kick to. As great as the dream is, and I know people are not going to agree with this, we're taking a better version of Shaq than the dream played against. There's two places that the defense took it. That was MJ and that was KG. And it was three for the offense. If you're breaking down the five, does that mean you're taking the scoring champions? Yeah, I'm taking the scoring champions. All of these scoring champions are good enough on the defensive end. Their counterpart. I'm taking scoring champions because I think that they have a better offensive system. It's a much more cohesive unit. When you're looking at the defensive players, they're going to be playing a 90s-style basketball. From your offensive players, they're lethal from anywhere on the floor. There's going to be way more spacing. What they can do purely from a three-point shooting perspective is the difference maker.
Who do you think wins the matchup? You've been on the Heat for a while. How far do you think the Heat can actually go? If we look back to the bubble, nobody expected the Heat to go as far as they did. This team was basically the same core, minus Tyler Hero being injured this year. It seems that the Heat have had a little bit of help this year. Giannis is hurt, and then we get into second round of the playoffs. Julius Randle is dealing with an injury. Injuries are definitely going to play a part in the Heat going far, but Jimmy Butler has excited the playoffs like no other player does. If Jimmy Butler continues to average 30 points a game and getting these 40-point games and even 50-point games, they can definitely make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe even force a game seven in that Eastern Conference Finals. I don't see them making it to the finals this year. They can definitely beat this Knicks team. It's so fun to see what Jimmy Butler has done this year. The way that the East is playing out makes it really seem like whoever comes out of the West is going to win the finals. With that being said, respect to Miami for being able to take down the number one overall seed. The Heat can beat the Knicks. I'm not afraid of the Knicks. And with an injured Julius Randle, I'm even less afraid of the Knicks. Now, when you get to the following round and it's the winner of Boston versus Philly, I don't think the Heat match up with either team very well. They don't have the bigs for Joel, and I don't think they can match up with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Not to mention the Celtics have a deep roster, and they'll continue to throw guys at you that can get buckets. Derek White has been a hidden gem this year in the playoffs. Miami can definitely go to a conference finals. Huge win for that organization. That's as far as they're going, but Jimmy Butler has been sensational. You gotta respect this man's game. What do the Bucks do now following this embarrassing exit first round of the playoffs. They keep the same core. I know it's a couple years without doing anything, but if they can just keep the same core three and build around those guys like they've always done, they'll come out next year, regular season, top three seed. Are you keeping the coach? Yeah, you saw what was said. Mike Budenholzer yeah. was dealing with some family troubles at the time of the game. I was bashing him too. He definitely needed to call a timeout. He definitely needed to do something. This team won a championship with him as the coach. They can go out there and, and do it again. It's a pretty embarrassing exit. Regardless of what you do with the roster, Giannis needs to be able to score the ball from three spots on the floor that he believes in. The Bucks were not a roster that was capable of playing from behind. And one of the main reasons is Giannis is not a player that's able to bring you from 10 points down. He's not going to be able to shoot a big three. He's not going to have a turnaround jump shot. And so he becomes a liability sometimes late in games because he doesn't have a reliable way to score the ball. He has to drive in. That's all he has. So this offseason going into next year, what I want to see is Giannis really develop a jump shot in a few different places. This was something that LeBron did when he was young. He was incredible at driving the ball but he had holes in his game when it came to shooting. And what he first did was he developed a post game when he was in Miami going into that second year. Giannis could do something very similar, and that's what I'd expect from him. When it comes to the roster, you got to make changes. There's got to be some type of adjustment, whether that's you trade a Middleton and see how much you can get. Maybe you can get a comparable all-star back. You might even be able to make some type of acquisition for a guy like Damian Lillard. You trade picks and you move Middleton. That might be enough. You didn't use Jay Crowder. You got him for no reason. You have to retool somewhere, but that's what I think the Bucks need to do. Roman, it's finally happened. All those YouTube clips that were difficult to see of guys jumping off trampolines and dunking the basketball. Slam ball is back in July this year. My question is, will slam ball work? I think it will. With the way social media is set up now and you see all these clips of the old slam baller, you see a lot of these content creators going out to these trampoline parks and going doing these crazy dunks. We're going to see a lot of clips and it's just going to be a new fun form of basketball compared to what we've always been used to. There'll be something new for basketball fans and it's especially fun from a kid aspect. There's nothing like jumping on a trampoline from a social media standpoint where we're at from that. It's going to 
really make this successful. They're also coming at it at the right time of year. In July, the finals were over a month ago. At worst, it falls into that big three tier where they have viral moments that you see online, but you're not necessarily always watching the games. At its best, this could be something that's really fun to watch. One of the ways to make it go to that level is can you get NBA players involved, retired can you get professional dunkers involved? These guys that already have these major followings. I want slam ball to work. I think it's good for basketball if it works. They're made to go viral. You're getting dunked on in 4K. You know what? We might have to do some coverage. We might need to go out there, take the mics with us, start interviewing some of these players. We'll get it on the map. Slam ball. Get Swiss list involved. We're ready for you. A lot of people are going to talk about Warriors Kings. Most of the conversation is going to be that the Warriors have been here before. They have all the experience. It's no surprise they put up a dominant performance in a game seven. It's no surprise Steph Curry is yet again dominant in a game seven. When I'm looking at the Kings and I'm looking at Sabonis, Sabonis is now in the Rudy Gobert tier for me. I'm done with this guy. I'm done. You let Kavon Looney get 20 rebounds three times in the series. You let Kavon Looney look like he was a better rebounder than Dennis Rodman, the man who studied the ball going off the rim. You are officially in the Rudy Gobert category, which is, I don't know what you are doing on the basketball court. When he was shooting jump shots, it reminded me of seven-year-old kids when the coaches tell the defense to back up so the kid can shoot the ball. The game was in slow motion, and I'm watching him brick wide-open free-throw jump shots. He was awful. In my opinion, the reason why the Kings lost falls on Sabonis for me. He's supposed to be an all-star. He's supposed to show up. Malik Monk showed up. Aaron Fox showed up. Keegan Murray finally got it going, but Sabonis... I agree with you. The Warriors' plan was to just base the series around Sabonis. They knew De'Aaron was going to get his points. They yeah. found out a few games in, Malik Monk was going to go off and get his points. He's and a few other role players going to do it. The Warriors knew it was going to come down to, can we make Sabonis uncomfortable? And they did a great job. Let's sag off this guy 10 feet. Let's let him do his handoffs. We'll leave him open because he has absolutely no right hand and he has no shot at all. It was make or break for the Warriors. Can Sabonis play? Obviously, he couldn't play. Sabonis, you are in the Rudy Gobert tier, which is the why are you here tier. That's where you're at. You need to learn how to shoot the ball from mid-range consistently. If somebody leaves you open, you got to be dangerous. And can you learn some moves with the right? Can you do something where you don't always have to go left? I mean, this guy plays like I did in high school where I had no right hand and he made it to the league. It's unbelievable. Inexcusable at the NBA level to not have both hands developed. It's not okay. Your weaknesses get exposed against real teams. That's what happens. All right, Moses, you're starting a franchise. Yep. You have one player that you're going to base the team around. Who are you choosing? Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brown, or Shea Gilders Alexander? Okay, I'm going to take Jalen Brown out of the equation off the bat. I like Jalen Brown. I don't love Jalen Brown. As much as people want to say Jalen Brown's better than Jason Tatum, all this and that, I'm not starting my franchise with that guy. Really, this is a conversation between two guys. It's Shea and it's Ant. For me, I am biased. We have to keep that in mind. And I will tell the people when I am biased. I always picked Minnesota growing up because they were just so bad when people would ask me what my favorite team was, I would hit them with the Timberwolves. It felt like I was taking the difficulty mode to another level playing my player with the Timberwolves. I've always been biased to these guys. So I'm taking Anthony Edwards and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. One, 
He has a complete game inside and out at 21 years old. Now, I'm not saying he's perfect. This guy's not Kobe, but he can shoot the three. He has a mid-range game. He's extremely athletic and has a great finishing package above the rim and layups. You also get the maximum amount of a prime if you pick Anthony Edwards, because like I said, at 21 years old, he's already been to the playoffs multiple times and had an all-star appearance. So I'm taking Ant because I believe he has another level that he can reach. I'm excited to see what that looks like. I believe believe that within the next two years, you're going to see Anthony Edwards be a top three shooting guard in this league. I'm taking that player. I want to go SGA. He's such a good unorthodox player. We've never seen a player like this at his height, the way he's been able to score the ball. His mid-range is so lethal. He's such a young guy, but Anthony Edwards at 21, he's younger than SGA. It makes more sense to go with a guy like him. I feel like their ceilings are not that different. They both are able to score the ball on a very high level. SGA is a great defender, great hustle player. It's really just a toss-up of what kind of future you're looking for in these types of players. Are you looking for the longevity, a young guy to stay with that team or are you looking for a guy like SGA who has already developed a few more years in the league played for multiple teams from that aspect that's what I think of because of SGA's experience and what he does on the defensive end in terms of his hustle I'm gonna pick SGA all right who would you take if you were starting a franchise only three players to choose from SGA Anthony Edwards or Jalen Brown Did we get it right? So it's like 2010. It's Roman's birthday. We go to Nickel City to celebrate the birthday. We got the pizzas, drinks, and everybody's got a bag of nickels to play as many games as they can. Well, they had one game where you could stack the blocks all the way to the top. And if you got to the top, you get to pick the grand prize. And they had like a PlayStation. I think they had an iPod Touch. This was like before iPhones were even big time, big time. It's like an iPod Maybe Touch. Maybe an iPod drink. Nano. Everybody's spending their money, having fun, playing air hockey, whatever. I'm stuck to this game, man. I'm glued to it. It costs a quarter every time you play. Well, I end up winning a PSP on Roman's birthday. And so I come running in. I don't even think you'd open your gifts yet. And I come in with a PSP. And I'm like, can you guys believe this? I just want a PSP. We were poor as hell, dude. We did not have money. They shut the machine down after I won. They shut it down. People were not supposed to win. They turned the thing off. Everybody's like trying to give me money to play the game for him. They shut it down. So then it's Roman's turn to open his gifts and you're getting like a Perry the Platypus t-shirt, a lamp, <laughs> a gift card to Ikea. Ikea stamp. Yeah, give me an Ikea chocolate bar. Give me a lamp. I'm sitting there with a PSP in my hand. So Roman comes up to me and he goes, Moses, it's my birthday. Will you give me the PSP? I said, what? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't even think I'll let you play it. I didn't let anybody play it. I spoiled your birthday. That's all time funny, dude. Right before you opened your gifts, too. Like, that's something out of a TV show, man. I don't remember a lot of stuff when I was younger, but I just remember seeing this white case yeah. for this nice PSP. The PSP was ahead of its time. 100%. Such a good console. Like, games on the move. That was never a thing. I just remember I was like, a white PSP. Like, I want that. I want that so bad. Hey, man, you know what? I still have it. It's in my basement. You want it now? <laughs> Mom had all my stuff. She dropped off all my boxes. She's like, you have a basement now. And so she gave me all my high school stuff. And there it was, dude. That and my DS. I turned it on. The DS still works, dude. Had a full charge. It's been like 10 years. Yeah, yeah full charge. Yes. Yeah, dude. Batteries are on the decline, man. I'm telling you. I know it. John Stockton, probably the greatest true point guard of all time. Leads the NBA all time in assists and steals. Nobody's even close to his records. 
Will they ever be broken? Moses. Okay. Records are meant to be broken, first and foremost. Nobody thought anybody would even beat Kareem's record. And here we are. LeBron James is the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Will the record be broken? You got to take load management into account because you got to be somebody that's playing all 82 for like 15 years. This guy went 19 consecutive seasons, averaging almost 10 assists per game. And his steal record, too. Jason Kidd is second in steals and he's like 600 away. And then Chris Paul's third. This is where it gets tricky, right? Because LeBron's played for forever, 20 years, and he has 10,000 assists. He's still 5,400 assists away from Stockton. Chris Paul, 11,500 assists. He's still way off. Jason Kidd was off by over 3,000. I don't know if this record's ever going to be broken. I don't know if it is. Because even though player health is so much more of a priority, I just don't think someone's going to play the number of games to break that record. I really don't. The way that the game is played now, the true point guard, and for how many seasons you have to play, and how many games you have to play. In today's NBA, it's not happening. We're going to have to have a whole nother evolution of the game for this to even be a possibility. So this might be the one record that doesn't get broken. Now, if I'm looking at the steals record. I was going to say steals. What are your thoughts on that? Because somebody could come into the league with a strategy to get three steals a game for consecutive the years. The steals record, I do think can be broken stockton's at 3265 chris paul's at 2544 chris paul is giving me hope that that record can be broken because he hasn't really been stealing the ball like he was back in the day for a while if there's a record to be broken it's that one. What's crazy is Carl Malone's on that list at 12 with over 2,000. They had over 5,200 steals as a duo. The steals record, I believe, can be broken. The assist record, I don't think so. We're going to have to be in a totally different NBA for that to ever be a possibility. Stephen Curry coming up on possibly his fifth championship. Yep. If he was to get his fifth ring, where does this rank him in that all-time point guard list for you? If Steph wins a fifth ring, he very well may be the greatest point guard of all time. I'm serious. This is a real conversation. This is the thing, man. We've reached a point now where no matter how great a player is, for some reason, these guys that played 20, 30 years ago, they're not allowed to be better than those players. We're in this era where it's like no player that plays basketball will ever be as good as anyone that played in the 80s or the 90s. Let's look at some of the numbers. Steph Curry would have five championships of Magic Johnson. Steph Curry has played in less playoffs and won five championships. Magic Johnson played in 13 playoff series. Steph's played in nine so far. I think with this one, it'll be 10. Steph Curry is also the first unanimous MVP. He's been a scoring champion twice. Steph was even a steals leader. He's the greatest shooter to ever touch a basketball. Steph is a plug-and-play into just about any system that has ever existed in the history of the league because of the way that he can shoot the ball. So if Steph is able to win a fifth ring, you have to have the conversation. At that point, it's the same thing between MJ and LeBron. It's just preference. It's just what do you prefer. If Steph wins a fifth ring, he has just as much of a case to be the best point guard to ever play basketball as Magic Johnson does. Tell me I'm wrong. What do you think? I have to agree with you. Steph's career, this 12-year stretch of unanimous MVPs, championships, and all the things that he's done, it's unheard of. 
to it really just comes down to preference style of basketball are you more of a scorer or the traditional point guard who goes the route of directing in those assists compared to getting 40 point games but the way that basketball is played today is Steph Curry is the face of that and the change that he has made to the game as well. Like you said, when people talk about Michael Jordan and LeBron James, lots of people argue nobody's had the impact that Jordan had on the game. And that's yeah. why he's the greatest to ever do it. Steph Curry is that type of player who changed the game of basketball. He's the type of player that literally changed shooting for the highest level of basketball. So you have to have that conversation. You can have that conversation now, but especially if he wins the fifth ring, that's a real conversation. Also, Magic Johnson played with better players on his teams than Steph has. Can we say that though? Yes. People have Kareem in their top five. Yes. If you try and put Kevin Durant in a top five, people lose their minds. Magic played with better players. It, Clay Thompson didn't even make the top 75. It's true. It's How true. many of Magic's teammates were on the top 75? That's my point. I'm not saying that Steph played with bums. Steph has played with Hall of Famers, but Magic Johnson played with better players. All these guys want to defend these 80s guys. They're untouchable. Well, explain your way out of that one. That fourth ring, Steph's fourth ring is what really solidified it. To make this a discussion, but five rings. Right now, Steph's top three and he's not three. If he wins a fifth ring, I'm telling you, this is a very honest debate and it's the equivalent of Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. When healthy, is Anthony Davis a top five player in the NBA? No, no. When healthy, he's not even a top five player in the playoffs. We've watched this guy score 13 points in a playoff game. So when he has a bad game and starts talking about how he can't move his shoulder or his hip is hurting, does that count too? Or is this just injuries? I'd say it counts. Anthony Davis is overrated. If you're talking in terms of top five player playing he's not a top five player playing do you watch anthony davis and feel the same fear when he touches the basketball like you do when you see steph curry get the ball at the three-point line no you don't when Embiid has the ball back to the basket do you have as much fear as when anthony davis does no you don't there are players in the game right now that are scarier than anthony davis with the basketball meaning when they touch the ball, they're a threat. When Anthony Davis touches the ball, the only thing I'm afraid of is legitimately that he's going to hurt himself. He's not a top five talent for me. This doesn't say that he's not the most valuable player for the Lakers. That's a totally different discussion. I don't believe he's a top five talent, but for the Lakers, he is the most important player for them to win every series that they will play in. It's not LeBron. It's not Austin Reeves. It's nobody on the bench. It's Anthony Davis. From here on out, his play is going to have to become that much more consistent for them to go to the next level. But there's easily five guys that you're going to take over AD, even when he's healthy. Steph is one of them. Embiid, Kevin Durant. I would even take Jason Tatum. And if we're talking playoffs, Jimmy Butler's not going to be in the conversation for what he's doing with Miami. I agree with you on the offense, but I think you're undervaluing defense. Did you even consider what Anthony Davis does on the defensive end? The presence, not just what he does on ball, off ball, how he protects the paint. If Anthony Davis plays an entire season, he's winning defensive player of the year over Jaron Jackson Jr., in my opinion. Because of what he does on the defensive LeBron doesn't even try a lot of the time, let's be honest. That's true. And I think AD is making up for a lot of that. The reads that he makes, the way that he guards on-ball pressure, the way that he makes switches to guard point guards, his way on the defensive end makes some of his lousy performances on the offensive end. Okay, you said Jason Tatum. There's plenty of games where Jason Tatum will go for 12 points, but the guy goes for 13, 14 assists. 
That's true. I feel like there's that factor that these great players put in to make up for their lack of one side of the ball. Anthony Davis's defense outweighs any other player's defense in the league right now. So I'm saying when he's healthy, when Anthony Davis can play 40, 45 minutes in a game, he's a top five player. In that Memphis series, that is a good point. I respect what you've said. And you know what? At this point, you're going to have to tell us who you think is right. Roman's taking him as top five talent when he's healthy. I'm not. Where do you stand? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Swish List Podcast. Catch us on social and we'll see you next week.